0: Happy Thursday. Welcome into NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group, Alex Margulies and Brian Samudio. Chris Murray will be along shortly uh, to talk about football. Uh, yep, Chris, as usual, was completely accurate on the class that Nevada is uh, has announced, uh, but we're going to talk about uh, uh, the finalized class in football that came along uh, here in the springtime. Uh, we're going to talk to Troy Buckley, going to join us here in studio, pitching coach at the University of Nevada. And, man, has he got the resume, dude.
1: Oh, it's oh, unbelievable. I mean, you're talking about Jared Weaver as one of the players that he coached 99 of his former players drafted a a ton in the major league. So to to bring his kind of resume to Northern Nevada to work with this pitching staff, Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty incredible. Coach Bruce actually started under Coach Buckley, right. and now the role is reversed, so that, that's gonna be a fun thing to watch this year at Don Weirfield.
0: Gonna have to ask him what T.J. Bruce was like as a player. Um, <laughs> Nevada Air Force, the women out on the road last night, great comeback win, we're gonna talk about that and have a, a little bit of a preview talking about San Jose State, that's gonna be over the weekend for Nevada, a little bit of a payback game. But you know, our first guest, Alex, I think two words screamed at the top of his lungs <laughs> from across the field. <laughs> Bad level! Bad level. Joining us now via Skype from Tampa, Florida, Jonathan Heimbach, former Nevada offensive line coach now, the O-line coach of the Tampa Bay Vipers in the XFL. Jonathan, how are you?
2: Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, just explain the pad level to anybody who doesn't know about football, <laughs> what that means. It's one of the great, the great you know, nap hops that we've ever had
2: you You might have heard that a couple of times before, but you know football's all game, football's all game of angles. And you know on the offensive line, you know the biggest thing we try to produce is we want to move a man from point A to point B. And uh, if you've got leverage and angles on a man, you're going to be able to move him all over the field. And uh, you know it's been a lot of fun being able to be a part of this new league, uh, having guys that want to continue their careers. Uh, and there's no study hall, there's no recruiting, you're coaching pro football, and these guys are excited to get a chance to play again.
1: How neat is it to be a part of the first year of this venture? I mean, the XFL existed a, a while back, but now it's, it's returning <laughs> here this season. What's it like being kind of at the forefront? You're you're kind of one of the-, the new explorers, I guess you could say, of this new venture.
2: No, it's exciting times right now. I think people uh, love the game of football. It's exciting, uh, just the energy, uh, and there's a little bit of the football hangover after the Super Bowl. It was a great game last week. And this gives a platform for not only uh, players, coaches to be able to continue to be involved in the game, but also fans to have that continuation throughout the whole uh, traditional offseason. Um, for me, it's been 19 years, I guess, of a hiatus since I played in the original XFL. Uh, so I was on the 2001 L.A. Uh, Extreme Uh, one-time championship team. And so for me, it's been 19 years um, uh, in celebration, but I guess now I gotta uh, defend the crown and keep this thing going. So it's exciting to be a part of this venture.
0: Where's that championship ring? Do you got that hiding somewhere?
2: (laughs) That's sitting next to a couple other championship rings uh, in the uh, safe deposit box, actually back in Reno right now. So um, I guess I gotta dust off and bring those bad boys out if we get in playoff contention, but uh, You know, everything we teach around here with our program, with our organization is just trying to win the day. Um, I've been with Mark Tressman. This is now the sixth year I've worked under Mark. Uh, We spent a number of years in the Canadian Football League. We won three championships in the CFL and it's exciting to then bring his philosophy to be able to be a part of it here in the uh, the XFL. So it's exciting times right now. All these guys are so hungry to get things rolling. and to go out and show what they can do. And it's uh, pretty exciting TV contracts with Fox and, uh, and ESPN and, and ABC covering the games. It's it's going to be some really good exposure on Saturdays and Sundays throughout the spring.
0: Coach, how much is this league necessary and needed in America? Because Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, you got Minor League Hockey, you mm-hmm. got G League Basketball.
1: Opportunities. You don't
0: have opportunities in football yeah. for a lot of guys that are talented and get out there and go, I can't make an NFL roster. The practice squads only have a handful of guys mm-hmm. on. How bad right. did this venture need to happen for that opportunity for these young men?
2: I, I think it's it's just so important for the development of the game. So many people love the game of football, but you know, you look at it and, and you talk to guys that play other sports or coach other sports and say, Man, this you only get one shot every week and and if you're on an NFL practice squad, you're you're not getting those live reps. You're basically simulating somebody else's offense or someone else's defense, and you only have a real small window. So I would say everybody on our roster has been on an NFL team, uh, whether guys were a practice squad, whether they're in training camps. I think half our teams on the eight teams in the league, I, I want to say over 200 players were on NFL rosters as cl- as soon as, as this past year, this past August. Um, so they're just – part of of the numbers game. There's only 32 jobs out there for quarterbacks, for starting quarterbacks, for starting centers, for starting receivers. And so it's such a small, thin line between making the team or even having that practice squad eligibility. If you're done with your time, this is another option. You don't have to go to the Canadian Football League, which I've spent a number of years up there after our time in in, uh, coaching at Nevada, that it's another option and guys are that close. And, And so I I had the opportunity to coach in the Alliance of American Football last year where I I had one of my former offensive linemen that was at the Super Bowl uh, that was on the 49ers. And so those things just give those guys another opportunity to go get film, to have an opportunity to play in games that they might not have if they're on somebody's practice roster. So I think it's really a great opportunity and a name that everybody in in Reno is going to know is James Butler. Uh, JB is now with the uh, with the Houston franchise with June Jones. And so he's one of the guys that bounced around the NFL has been on some practice squads in, in Oakland, and now just needs to play get game tape. And so I think it's a great opportunity uh, for guys all across the country to feature what they can do, and maybe springboard it into more of an opportunity to, to get back on an NFL roster.
1: You mentioned uh, James Butler, former uh, Nevada Sportsnet intern, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So (laughs) there was a picture of you guys a couple of weeks ago. How's he looking? I mean, this is one of those kids that always worked so hard. Uh, He was an amazing player at Nevada, and I think it's awesome to see him continue to get these opportunities. How's he looking right now?
2: Well, we only saw him briefly. We had an Uh organized practice together, and it was very limited team time together. It was just great to see him in full gear, Um, From what I when I talked to him initially just trading text. So man, it's so great to see you in this league and I had been fighting for him to come to Tampa Houston ended up picking up his rights. They drafted him. He's just a guy that you know, uh, needs film. He he needs to play the game and not be on someone's practice roster. He needs to be in there carrying the load. I think he had a great preseason with the Raiders, but now uh, he's got a great opportunity. Um, with June Jones and and what they're going to do spreading the ball all over the place so he's going to have a great chance to feature his skill set and that's what this league is going to be about guys that were just right there at the very end of training camps that now they can they can really continue to play and and uh, build their brand.
0: Coach you mentioned you played in the original XFL in LA much different league back then if uh, you were back around that time I mean you had Jesse the Body right. Ventura, you had Dick Butkus <laughs> at at midfield. He you had me. yeah, you had they had yeah, the names on the backs of the right. jerseys were right. were different. Uh, there was there was a sex appeal to it that 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 was in it as well. Um, it didn't last. Why? Wait, this time around, why do you think it's going to work this time? Obviously, having that network backing and the money backing is huge, but it seems just much more legit this time.
2: Well, there's still the sex appeal. you know. I mean, we <laughs> still want to keep that going. But no, the, the biggest thing that I think in, in my experience, I mean, I've kind of been all over the place and, and been in the Canadian Football League, had the opportunity to coach in the AAF this past year. There's a thirst and a hunger for the game of football. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that is separating where we are now with the first XFL, it was really thrown together. And The football was one thing, but I think the production of it was worth something bigger and better than the NFL. And once people tuned in and said, well, these are guys that had been on NFL rosters, and we weren't together very long. Last year, the AAF had some appeal to folks, and it had good numbers on CBS. Unfortunately, it didn't have the financial backing or the resources available. The thing that we have right now with the XFL, which is really exciting, is number one, we've had time. We drafted these guys way back. We've had four weeks of OTAs and off-season programs. We had a full month of training camp. We've been here for two weeks in Tampa. We can't wait to play a game. I mean, it, we're so much further ahead now than where we were last year in the Alliance of American Football. And you look at the probably the most important thing not only is time, but you look at the resources and the capital available with an owner like Vince McMahon everything that he's been involved with has been successful. And with the TV contracts that this league has, the resources that are available, these guys are getting treated extremely well. I mean, that we're, we're charter flights, they're putting them up. The food is excellent. The facilities that we have, we're at the Cincinnati Reds uh, spring training facility uh, that we took over. And so we've got four grass fields, a great weight room, excellent meeting rooms here in Tampa that I think from hearing from other teams around the league, Vince has spared no expense. And you look at the people that he's hired to run the football part of it. It's not people that are wrestling promoters. It's Oliver Luck. And you think about football and it creates immediate respectability across the league when you have someone with the caliber of Oliver Luck who knows that we're going to put a good football product on the field based on the time and the uh, resources that are available to us. So that's, I think, a huge uh, difference coming from 19 years ago or even just 12 months ago with the Alliance of American Football that was really didn't have quite the time that we've been able to produce this thing and put it together. And so we hope that this weekend uh, it's going to be a good showing on TV. All
1: right. So one of the things about the
2: XFL, there's a lot of rule changes.
1: Uh, the way kickoffs are, the, the double forward <laughs> pass, The the extra point. Uh, is completely different. Uh, What would you say would be one of your most favorite changes about just the game of football in the XFL? Give us an example of one of these new things uh, that people are going to see on TV that you like the most.
2: Well, I think the biggest thing that maybe the casual fan will just notice after you watch a game, and we did some preseason games and scrimmages in Houston when we were all together, all eight teams were together in Houston for training camp, is that the play clock is going to be so much faster. Uh, there's going to be a lot more action. There's not going to be as much dead time. Uh, the um, the amount of just airplay, I think it's going to be a quicker, faster game, really forcing tempo uh, rather than the the slow uh, TV timeouts. I think really folks are going to see a much faster-paced game. Uh, one of the first immediate things is, is the point after conversions. You're not going to be able to kick for one. Uh, you have an opportunity to go for one from the two-yard line, Go for two from the uh, from the five, and you can actually go for three from the ten. So you're not out of it. A, a nine point deficit, you're a one score to tie the game. Uh, so you're they want excitement. They want parity within the league that everybody's still in the game. That you're not going to have a blowout, and people are going to say, "Well, it's a new team. Don't really know much about them. They're down by not. They're down by a couple scores." You're always you always have an opportunity to get back in this game. Uh, one, one thing that's interesting is overtime. If we do go into overtime, uh, one of the things that has always been an issue in the NFL is it's really based on a coin toss that if you get possession, all of a sudden you score game over. Well, we're gonna have a kind of a soccer style penalty shootout type of format <laughs> where each team's gonna get the ball, have five tries. So it'll be kind of back and forth getting five opportunities to score kind of like a a soccer penalty shootout, which will continue to create excitement that you're never really out of the game, but also overtime. Everybody should have a chance to run an offensive play and and kind of go back and forth. I think that'll be exciting if the game comes down to overtime. Uh, Double forward pass, we'll see how that goes. Uh, As long as the first pass is thrown behind the line of scrimmage, you have an additional opportunity to throw uh, to throw a second forward pass so maybe some of those bubble screens are going to keep people on edge um, with some of those things um, but the one thing that that um, In the league and, and I think every coach that's a part of this is we don't want this to be gimmicks we, we don't want this to be a foreign game that people aren't used to that they've grown up watching is in essence, it is the same game, just with some tweaks to make it more exciting for the fans and, and more exciting for the players to be able to show what they can do. Um, one thing that I wasn't real sure about, guys, and I'll be honest, when I first saw it, when they were trying out some of this leagues, what um, was the new kickoff? Uh, we will still have a kickoff, but the coverage and the return teams are already going to be down five yards from each other on the 30 and 35 yard line. So you still get the kick but you take out the 50 yard running collision uh, that it's a little bit of uh, still have the scheme aspect of it. And it felt a little different in the AAF last year that the ball was just spotted on the 25 yard line and you started play. So we still have a kickoff, but we want more returns. I think there's going to be a lot more scoring on kicking plays that people are going to see higher points, um, more points scored uh, throughout the XFL. So we'll see what happens, but they've done a lot of research to put this together and, you know, it's still football. We're we're still um, we're still gonna be in essence what people know and love, but I think they're gonna like the little tweaks to make it a faster game.
0: Football season continues this weekend <laughs> and you can check it out on our sister station, Fox 11, 11 AM on Saturday, the Tampa Bay Vipers at the New York Guardians. Coach Jonathan Heinbach. We appreciate your time. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to have some Tampa Bay Viper fans in Reno. Let's so go. we expect uh, we expect to see some good fan base out there. So appreciate everything. Thanks guys.
0: Best of luck this year. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, we're gonna continue with football coverage and we'll have Chris Murray join us and talk about Nevada's official now signing class.
1: I'd wear some Vipers gear. Vipe up. Vipers.
0: Welcome back to NSN Daily. Chris Murray joining us here on sets and the crystal ball that Chris Murray has uh, was correct once again. That um, this 6'9 quarterback is going to be coming to Nevada.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a small little addition to the end of the class. No. So they uh, added five guys yesterday. They actually have one scholarship still open. So we'll see how they use that. Uh, you know, probably makes a lot of sense to hold it for a transfer. Uh, you know, maybe somebody you can get who can immediately impact the team this year. So Nevada's class overall right now has 18 people. It's ranked 11th out of 12 teams in the Mountain West. So those recruiting rankings, not super, super high on it. I actually did a breakdown of recruiting rankings and how they correlate to wins over the last decade. Uh, and they're not super predictive, honestly. Uh, Boise State and San Diego State have gotten the best classes and they're one-two in wins, but outside of that, it's pretty uh, jumbled. Uh, you look at Air Force, they had the 11th best uh, recruiting rankings over the last decade and they're third in wins. You look mm-hmm. at Utah State, their 10th best have the fourth most wins. So uh, I wouldn't put too much stock into those recruiting rankings even though it's, it's really not high on Nevada's class. And uh, now we'll see whether Nevada's able to build this thing into a championship caliber roster. I mean, Coach Norvell has really gone after high school guys though. He's not trying to take short uh, cuts. Uh, we'll see if that long-term vision really does turn out because a lot of times now you can't keep those high schoolers for right. four or five years. They're going to you know, go to the next stop. So uh, he's definitely tried to build it with prep kids, and uh, now he's got to have to mold these guys into really quality players. Well, I like that, too, because,
1: you know, if he were to go the junior college route, maybe because he's saying, I have to win next year in order to keep my job, whatever that is, if that's the sentiment. Uh, I, I don't think that is, but, you know, a lot of coaches would do that, right? If you're in Towards the end of your contract, maybe you're going to load up on guys and you're not necessarily doing what's best for the entire future of the program over the four years, maybe looking for a short benefit, but not really looking after the program
3: overall.
0: If you had to anticipate, what do you think they burn the scholarship on?
3: Uh, it's probably a grad transfer. I mean, they've talked a lot about how they wanted two to three running backs and they've only added one so mm-hmm. far. So wouldn't be shocked if they added a running back. Right now, they only have three scholarship running backs. So you feel like that's a position where you can add some depth. Um, but I think it's smart to hold one out because you never know who's gonna percolate down the road, uh, You know, who has an issue with their coach and has to leave. You know, It can happen right before uh, you know fall camp as well. You look at Fresno State and them going to back-to-back Mountain West Championships, winning one of them. They added Marcus uh, Memphis. Marion uh, right at the end uh, of that fall camp period uh, and then he comes in and he leads them to you know 20 wins over a two-year period so I think it's smart to hold it um, I don't know that there's any one specific position they're looking at but they did want to have uh, you know up to three running backs in this class right now there's only one
0: all right you want to check out the full breakdown go to NevadaSportsNet.com Chris has got it right there for you in a nice little link coming up next here on NSN daily he's a new pitching coach at the University of Nevada Troy Buckley will join us here in studio next Welcome back to NSN Daily. It is chilly outside, with the boys of summer preparing up at Pocahontas Park at Don Weir Field. And Troy Buckley joining us here in studio, Nevada's new pitching coach. Yeah. and uh, You know what, man? You've got for a pitching coach in the Mountain West Conference, you've got quite the uh, resume. You <laughs> have
4: the experience, man, that, man. That's what some people have said. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been certainly going to be a challenge based off of you know the conditions, but. I think as we try to talk to our guys about, we don't have a lot of control over what happens as far as what goes on outside. Umpires, wind, snow, cold. Yeah. It is what it is. We kind of talk about, you know, if you want to play this game a long time, it's cold in Boston in April and Mm -hmm. it's cold in Detroit in April. And, you know, so you're going to kind of have to matriculate through that and, 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 you know, build some armor in order to, you know, be able to do it well.
0: Former head coach at Long Beach State, you've known TJ a long time.
4: Yep. When this job came open, did you get
0: to Pocatello and go, wait a minute, aluminum bats at 5,000 feet with the wind? Or <laughs> you can't? Yeah,
4: so it was what? I came up, uh, I think i came up sometime in middle of july and august and had one of those breezy afternoons Uh and i'm like we get those does does the wind go out (laughs) to that left field or does it go anywhere else Mm -hmm. over there so um no i mean i'm super grateful for the opportunity with tj we've we've known each other a super long time and even with abe in here you know it's family and um you know i just want to do the best job i can for this program and for for the staff and for the players, and you know, try to get this program to the postseason. Look at the beanie here, look at oh, this. Oh man, don't be showing that stuff because <laughs> you, you, I get a little soft, but the other part is I don't have any hair. So if I don't have any hair, then that would leave me to justify I can wear a beanie well, and we'll get away with, with <laughs> it.
1: How crazy is this looking back at, at your life and coaching that T.J. Bruce was one of your players, Sure. And now all of a sudden the roles are reversed in a sense where now you're an assistant on, on his staff. Is that kinda of neat in a sense that it's like, man, this is one of my kids that came through and did all these things and now I get to kinda of reunite with him, but he's the head coach.
4: Yeah, I think the first thing is is I'm old. You know, that that's one thing, right? So <laughs> when you experience is what I call yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So myself. age or wisdom, you know, those those positive connotations uh, regarding that. But I I, I think you know, throughout the history of, of my development as a coach, you surround really good people, right? And Dave Snow, Mike Weathers, Jim Benedict, Bill Givette, uh Pat Ross. I mean, there's this, a list of people that have helped me get here. So when it's also our responsibility, and TJ would say that, to try to help develop your current players and or your future staff mm-hmm. to be able to get to that. So coming from Dave Snow, you look at this oak tree, and it started with Wally Kincaid back at Cerritos College with George Horton and Dave Serrano and just a a plethora of people that have moved on. So I kind of like it just from the standpoint of you get to see some offshoots of some guys that have found their own way, created their own path, Mm -hmm. have had success, and then it comes full circle where you hope you can get back together you know, bring the band back together, if you will, if it works out. So, exactly
0: what I said in the office. You know, <laughs> I, I think
4: that, that part is, you know, it's just super rewarding. I mean, really, it, it really is. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think when, when, you, when you close down your career and look back on it, you'll probably reminisce some more and look at the flowers bloom on the porch. But I think right now, you know, we've got a job to do, so we're trying to focus on, you know, being the best version of what we can do.
0: All right, is a good friend of ours and comes on the program all the time. Uh, he, he, I'm sure he's not going to watch us. Our, be truthful, what kind of a player was he? Kind of he could re- kind of with... really
4: defend. Yeah. Yep. So, a long story I started my coaching career after professional, my college coaching career at my alma mater at Santa Clara. So, we would go out to these events, these area code events. And so, there was a big LA Dodger area code tryout at Cerritos College. Okay. There must have been 400 kids at this one because it's your hometown. You got to make sure you invite everybody just mm-hmm. in case you don't miss anybody from right, right. a political standpoint, right? so tj was there and i called him and i think he just recently broke his foot after the turn or after that tryout and so we laugh to this day that i was one of the first college coaches as an assistant to call him to recruit him Uh. to be able to get him in so i thought he can really defend you know i think the the uh the bat you know even though he had a really productive short career at texas tech Mm -hmm. it didn't quite translate over into us but you know, when you're playing against Weaver and Ramos, I mean, against some of the guys that we had when he was there, yeah, you're gonna have a tough time hitting an in inner squads too. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna to be tough to be evaluated. But he he can really defend. Yeah. Are there times
1: when when you're you're sitting there and and maybe even listening to TJ talk and you're like, man, I did kind of rub off on him a little bit. I mean, <laughs> are there times when when you can kind of feel that or sense that, and maybe laugh a little bit inside that, that you guys kind of can? There is that that kind of. Take, yeah, what with each other.
4: Yeah, I, I think when you're in a family and you've been around each other from, you know, the staff, not just myself, but but Mike Weathers, who, you know, we all worked under. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you grab a piece of everybody, mm-hmm. right? You know, so the pie becomes what it is and the slices come from this person. And you and sometimes you learn what not to do, right. you know, as much as what you learn to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's super, super disciplined. He's super organized. Uh, he knows what he's doing. So that part is... is is good to see. And if I can provide any, if I can provide any assistance without bringing out the crystal ball, I I think, you know, we all need to learn and go through Mm -hmm. what you think is going to happen. Sometimes you just need to do it yourself because without having it be a detriment and, and, and take a, you know, a painful approach to learning and growing, I think it just comes down to Hey, we're all in this together, and and so you you know you see a lot of that. Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: Let's get into some of the numbers that you see on the screen. You've coached 31 major leaguers. 99 of your players have been drafted. How rewarding is this for you when you look and go, yeah, uh, yeah, Tulowitzki? Tulo yeah, I, I coached him. Sure. Some of these guys that you've you've gotten your hands on and been able to kind of mold and develop, not just as a ball player but as a person.
4: Yeah, I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the player. You know, I, I'm I'm not one to to sit here and and to say it's, you know, one entity of myself or anything like that. I think it's just super fortunate to have committed players that were talented but were coachable. Uh-huh. And I think it's a huge, you know, part of their parents have more impact on their lives because they had them for a longer time up until we would get them. But I do think that we're an extension of whatever it is that you know, you're trying to do with what their parents already built. Right. If it's accountability, responsibility, honesty, trust, you know, those are kind of the things that you're trying to do in a setting in college that they have a bubble, if you will, to be able to grow, fail, instead of being able to do it in the professional market right out the get-go, mm-hmm. so um, just blessed. I mean, really, honestly, just, just super, a lot of luck too, yeah. um, but I think you just bring the right people in and you start the relationship off as far as the honesty and the trust of how we recruit mm-hmm. and let's get to work yeah. and you know and it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of trial and error too
1: talk to us about just being able to work with these kids so far i mean there's some really talented arms sure. that you have to work with jake jackson owen charts and, and that's just the beginning of, of a really talented staff what's it been like to work with these kids so far
4: it's been great i think because part of it is you know, I, I, I transitioned out as I was leaving Long Beach and everything there. I wasn't really the pitching coach. Mm. I was more the head coach, right. kind of overseeing things. So when you get a little disconnected from the day-to-day teaching, then things can evolve on you in a hurry. And with the new technology and with the new development track, there are some things that have been super beneficial that I think a lot of these kids have an idea about And I would have to get up to speed as far as not become archaic and a dinosaur and that. That's been super fun. Taking some of the technology and the knowledge of what your eyes have seen in the past and then trying to bring it together to try to help maybe Owen with a better breaking ball Mm -hmm. and try to get Jake with more of developing a change up and bring some of the the, the important points that you think are going to be long-term success for this particular year for us but also for their career mm-hmm. if they have the opportunity to be able to do that. But there's, there's, there's a lot of pieces. There's no question. I think you know, from, from a development standpoint, I think guys have shown, the, 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 so shown some improvement. And it could be completely tiny from just adding a secondary pitch right. to adding two more miles an hour on a fastball to having more discipline about their work. I mean, there's all different layers to this thing as far as, as yeah. a teacher. Because you want to see progress, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the player does too. And some of it's subjective, and some of it's objective. So you're just trying to kind of evaluate that, you know.
0: You open up on Valentine's Day yeah. at University of Portland, looking at these guys at practice. How bad is this team chomping at the bit to play against somebody that's not wearing silver?
4: Yeah, I think you get to that point right now where, not that we're they're falling on deaf ears as far as the team defense and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think as a coach, you sit there and you're like, we need to play. Yeah. Because the <laughs> game eventually needs to tell us where our shortcomings are and what we need yep. to be able to do. And uh, we're getting there. I mean, it would be I would be remiss to get too far ahead because I think one of our teaching points and mantra is be where your feet are at, right? So just be here today. Today's the most important day. And I know that your mind can wander and it all of ours does. We're, we're looking, everybody's looking forward to playing somebody else mm-hmm. because you know, back when I was playing in college, uh, we would play Stanford every Wednesday in yeah. the fall. Yeah. You know, and and you just don't get a gauge yeah. on where you're at, so it does take a little bit of time to grow. You know, and to see exactly right. what you have when the, when the white when the lights go on. Well, you it's know? one of those
1: things. People are like, Hey, how are you guys looking? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Are we, we going to be good this year? Yeah, and you're right. like, Well, you know, we can only see what we see here, and we got to play somebody else. Yeah, we look great
4: against ourselves. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. No question. And I think. Uh, You know, and and sometimes as we go through this, you're trying to decipher, boy, we can really pitch or maybe we can really hit or maybe we can't really pitch Mm because we got smashed that Mm -hmm. day by our own hitters. So it's very difficult sometimes to evaluate Mm -hmm. what is going on because there is a little bit of deception in some of it because of. I'm not saying they're not intentful every single at-bat, but right. it may be a little bit more different when adrenaline kicks yeah. in and the lights are on and there's people in the stands. and you know So a lot of things can crumble, but a lot of things can ch- elevate too when you get into those situations. This is kind of how they're going to manage the adrenaline and the mm-hmm. energy down. as no they down. continue to go forward. Nevada
0: baseball opens up the season on the road February 14th at the University of Portland. Home opener, the 28th against Hofstra at Picoli
4: Park. Thank appreciate you, guys. Thank you. you. I try. appreciate Thanks it. Try. We'll see you during the season. Sounds good. Right. Thank you. Coming up
0: next here on NSN Daily, big comeback victory out on the road last night by the Nevada women's basketball team. We'll have highlights and more coming up next. NSN Daily rolling on on a Thursday. This Nevada women's basketball team has just had to kick and scratch to get wins this year. They've been so close out on the road in Colorado Springs at Air Force last night, and the ladies come back from a deficit to win this one, 71 67. Good victory.
1: It's good to see them get a win on the road. And and this is a team that has a lot of really, really close games this year where they have not been able uh, to pull out wins. They've had a few recently where they have been able to, and I think this is great progress. You know, for a young basketball team, as we talked about earlier this week, this is a lot of freshmen and sophomores on this team. And uh, I imagine this would be a good confidence boost for them.
3: Yeah, I mean, they needed this win. I mean, Air Force came into this game with three wins against Division I opponents. It's probably the worst team in the Mountain West. Uh, but Air Force did get Nevada uh, when they played here in Reno at the Virginia Street Gym, so I think it was nice to get a little bit of redemption and, uh, you know, get at the second road win that you've had this season. It's not like Nevada's had a ton of success in terms of win-loss on the road, so to be able to come away with a win, no matter who you're playing, is really good. And Imani Lacy was put back into the starting lineup. She missed a couple of games with a concussion and had been coming off the bench, so I think they're back to their normal rotation, what they kind of expected entering the season now that everybody's kind of back to full strength.
0: Essence Booker with 17 points in this one, so the sophomore uh, continuing her scoring ways and getting back to what we expected out of Essence Booker in this one. Nevada will now stay out on the road. They head down to the Silicon Valley to take on San Jose State that's going to be on Saturday, a 2 p.m. tip-off down in the Bay Area. Meanwhile, the men. Payback's got to be on their minds, Alex, this weekend against San Jose State. Nevada comes home or stays at home again for a matchup with the Spartans.
1: Well, I mean, you have to say that's by far the most frustrating loss of the season is losing at San Jose State. And, and, you know, it was a game that was close and and Nevada could not pull it out late. And, and yeah, I mean, I think uh, this time around it it shouldn't be close. And if Nevada plays like they did against Air Force, uh, they could go on to another a uh, lopsided victory, but they can't take San Jose State for granted. And I don't think they will because of the fact that they lose on the road at San Jose State. But as we talked about earlier in this week, getting both of these wins at home this week is crucial. If Nevada wanted to, wants to finish as a top-five team, uh, getting wins over Air Force and San Jose State, these, these were must-wins, and so uh, uh, certainly a big one again coming up on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, they lost, uh, UNLV lost to Utah State last night, so that does push Nevada into that top five, so they kinda control their destiny from this point forward, but yeah, this is a game they should go out and roll. I mean, San Jose State did beat Nevada, but since then, they're uh, one in five. They just lost at home to Wyoming, which it didn't have a conference win. Uh, in their last outing, so they shouldn't be all that confident coming in. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult matchup than Air Force because they have more athleticism, they have more length down low. I wouldn't be shocked if Jalen Harris went for 30 points, but he's going to have a little bit more issue getting to the rim and mm-hmm. being able to finish around the rim as he has, uh, you know, in that last game against Air Force. But, uh, you know, w- we'll see if they play Jazz Johnson. I think that's the big storyline going into this one, whether, uh, you know, they feel confident enough that Jazz is healthy or whether they try and rest him a little bit more because they kind of assume that this one should go there.
1: All right, way. so I asked you earlier this week, percentage chance Jalen Harris- Harris, you put it at 40% that he would make it three in a row, and he did by, by a lopsided margin. Are you going 40% again then he gets 30? Uh,
3: I'll go 50%. 50%? Yeah,
1: there we go. Wow, we're going six times I mean, he's just playing wow. so well, and if
3: Jazz is not going to play, and it kind of makes sense to rest yeah. him, then he's going to get his 20 field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. And he's just so effective right now, so efficient, that if he's going mm-hmm. to get 20 field goal attempts, he's probably going to put 30 in. It's not easy to do, though. So, like, we can go in kind of assuming it's going to happen, but it's, it's still really hard to get 30 mm-hmm. points in a college basketball It's game. pretty
1: amazing to think of all, we were talking about this again, just the amazing basketball players that have come through the University of Nevada over the years. And Jalen Harris this season has more than anybody. I mean mm-hmm. that's it's incredible.
0: It's it's one of those things that you kinda as we talked about this earlier this week. Did Coach alford take Jalen Harris aside and go you get a chance to shoot, shoot the ball, get a chance to go to the rack, take it to the rack. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe that's what, especially when you don't have Jazz Johnson mm-hmm. in the lineup. And I don't think Jazz is going to play in this game. If I was Coach Alford and, and he's forgotten more things about basketball than I've ever known, uh, I would sit <laughs> because this is a mismatch. I mean, granted, it's not like uh, the Air Force mismatch where Air Force just couldn't protect the rim. Mm-hmm. They they're not. They weren't crazy athletic and Jalen just could roll right through them. But, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing, and I think there's going to be a payback sort of thought in the Pack's mind as well. But uh, it's going to be 4 o'clock on Saturday, Nevada and San Jose State at Lowell Events Center, te- televised on the AT&T Sports Network, but 3 4 eight pack for tickets or nevadawolfpack.com if you want to go out and check things out. Yeah, I, I look back at the guys that were, this guy could score, this guy mm-hmm. could score. You look at... at um, Guys like a Kirk Snyder. Kirk yeah. Snyder never did it. But right if right, he didn't play right. to the maturity that Jalen Harris is, Caleb didn't do it. Well so I think mean,
1: there's an opportunity this year with Jalen not to take anything away from him, but he's in a position where he has to score thirty points. Mm-hmm. Like Caleb Martin last year didn't get that many opportunities because of the other players that he was surrounded with that he had to share the ball with, you know, even going back a season before that. So uh I think Jalen's in a unique situation. Could he have had this many 30-point games on last year's team? I don't think he would just because there are so many other players, but it doesn't take anything away from just how talented and impressive he has been uh, to really be the the heartbeat and be at this point, you have to say the most valuable player on on this team
0: or, of the league. I think, yeah. I think he's gonna be Well, it's tough because it's
3: tough. he's been the best player. He's been the right. best player. Whether he's he not going to get MVP because not get I, I mean, I don't think it. you can make much of an argument that he hasn't been the best player. Yeah. And he has a, has a really really unique story. I talked to his mom and dad for probably forty five minutes each yesterday because I'm doing a story that I'll post on our website on Friday. But just his journey from he's really a late bloomer, a guy who was really underappreciated. He didn't really play on the top AAU circuit for a long long time. Um, You know, a lot of people didn't think, so this is the funny part to me, is he was kind of shorter in high school and then he wasn't very athletic. People thought he was a good shooter, but he wasn't gonna be athletic enough to play at you know a a power five kind of school. And obviously the athleticism is there. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was actually born uh, during his mother's uh, college career. She's a hall of fame player at SMU. Uh, she got pregnant with Jalen uh, the December going into her sophomore season, so she played with him uh, inside of her uh, for four or five months wow. and actually played in the NCAA tournament with Jalen inside of her, uh, gives birth in August, uh, and then is ready to, for, for the start of the next year and the next uh, November. So she kind of had him at perfect timing where it didn't mess up her sophomore season, didn't mess up her junior season, um, but was able to, uh, as a four-time all-conference player, have a child in the middle of that wow. mm-hmm. uh, and just play so uh, phenomenally well in her college career. She's a Hall of Famer at SMU. Her her number is retired uh, her dad played at SMU so just uh, basketball in the bloodlines and you know a guy who you would think with that kind of bloodline would be okay this guy's from the very start is seen as this star but he wasn't he hasn't really been a star until this last month or two mm-hmm. so I think you know him finally having a coach who trusts him and Steve Alford has re- been really really big in his development
0: more proof guys that the men we are not the stronger sex I mean, <laughs> that's and I saw a video today of Alex Morgan Seven months pregnant, women's national team soccer, out taking kicks and scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Seven months pregnant. Wow. And our own Cassie Wilson, who is a trooper. We, and tough we can't and st-
1: do anything if we have a, a cold or something. No, yeah, I,
0: I got a cold and I want to cry. Coming up next <laughs> on NSN Daily, it comes up every Thursday. Bet or no bets. Would you be part of it? We'll have that next. Bet or no bets, it happens every Thursday here on NSN Daily. We'll dive uh, right into this one. Uh, One of my favorite golf tournaments of the year is the Waste Management Open in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, the 16th hole is a bucket list thing for me. This is the scene at 6.30 in the morning before they open the gates and release the hounds. And these people go booking. Out to the 16th or wherever they want to go. Maybe, dude, we're going to be on the 7th today. Mm. And they fill this literally. It's like a coliseum. If you've never seen it on the par 3 16th at the Waste Management Open, they're cheering. They're screaming. There is no quiet here. You know, go back to your shanties. This is golf, (laughs) guys. Is this better? No bet. Are the
1: 16th hole antics in Phoenix good for the game of golf? It's a big time bet. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. I mean, you know, I think golf. All of, amongst a lot of people, it is a little stuffy at times. So yep. to get that kind of enthusiasm it's unique. I think it's a lot of fun.
3: And look at the age of those people. Those look like young people and exactly. golf is not a sport that is necessarily drawing the younger crowd. So yeah. I think uh, it's something that every uh, tournament should have. Maybe just one hole that's kind of special uh, and you let the guys go after it. And I think the golfers would be cool with that as long as they knew it was coming. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't yeah. like it when it's completely silent mm-hmm. and then you hear something. But yeah, yeah that's got to be the coolest hole uh, in golf.
0: Back when it was the reno Tahoe hole open, they had the Fiesta Loco hole, which was on the back nine and it was out in the middle of nowhere there, and it was a par three over the water. And yes, some golfers really liked it. Some golfers, so you could tell, absolutely <laughs> hate it. They had a mariachi band every time somebody would hit one on the green. I mean, people had a great time. But I think it's got to be the personality of the golfer. And you're right; yeah. they have to know it's coming. Be prepared. This is going to be part of the scene. Uh, bet or no bet, will the XFL last? the entire season. Will it last one season?
1: I'll go bet. I'll go bet that it actually lasts more than one season. I think mm-hmm. there w- can be some longevity with the XFL. Uh, as we talked with, with Jonathan Heinbach earlier in the show, they've got the financial backing, they've got the TV contract, and they're more prepared than they were the last time, and they're more prepared than the way the AAF was. And I think there is a need for this type of league to exist, to give guys more opportunities. Will a lot of people go out and watch it? That'll be the, 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 kind, the kind of key factor. But I think there needs to be another football
3: league uh that exists. Yeah, it's gonna last multiple years because yeah. they put so much money into it. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon's not gonna pull up stakes and say it didn't work halfway through a year. I mean he's gonna give it two, three, four years. Yep. Will it last 10 years? I, I don't think it will, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a multi-year thing, and he's going to give it time to try and uh, come to fruition as a legitimate sports entertainment league that has you know, longevity.
0: If you want to check it out, it's going to be our sister station, Fox 11, 11 a.m. on Saturday, uh, New York against Tampa Bay. Uh, final bet or no bet, Punxsutawney Phil has predicted that we're going to have an early spring. Alex mm-hmm. is like, I don't want to hear mm-hmm. this. Will we have an early Sierra Spring?
1: I'm not feeling very optimistic about our chances for a better winter. So, yeah, I think we will. Mm-hmm. But we don't really have springs in summer. It's like it kind of goes straight from winter to summer a lot of times here. Do we even have spring? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like such a roller coaster. I do think we are going to be in probably our worst snow year in about four years, though. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it, things are not don't looking sure. good. I don't see a miracle March in our future, but. You know, we'll see what happens. We haven't seen Coop Cooper on the show that much. It's been year. sad, <laughs> man. I Don't even get me started. Soak like, meter here, is, bro. Yeah, it's, it's, this has been, there's been basically two snowstorms. Will we year.
3: get snow on the valley floor again this
1: year? Uh, you know, but probably. Okay. I think, you know, just because of how much a roller coaster our weather is, but, I, you know, are we going to see a 300-inch march like we did, you know, 300-inch February and a 300-inch March before that? The signs aren't looking good. You
0: know, bet or said. no bet, it's every single Thursday. Thanks and, uh, for
1: bringing that up, though. I really you know, I want to it. put you in a good mood. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll
0: have much more coming up here on <laughs> NSN Daily as we talk about the latest Dodger moves so we'll make Alex even happier. Oh, Let's great. Next. I'm out of here. I got you. Well, this Mookie Betts trade from Boston to L.A. has been kind of put up with a snag because of the prospect. Uh, there's, there's some sort of medical issue. Yeah. There, doctors are saying that he has to be a relief pitcher, not a starting pitcher? Well, he
3: did have Tommy John, so whatever they saw. Uh, in the medicals, the Red Sox—they're projecting him more to be a relief pitcher than a starter. So now they're holding things up. This thing better happen, though. Like, uh, I'd be This whole blows up. Uh, just, I, would, I would not Just be kidding happy about that. Yeah, because I mean, if that trade goes <laughs> yeah. through,
1: I mean, this has got to be the most dangerous the Dodgers have been, right? Print the I would championship shirts. So. Sure. So. Yeah, well,
3: yeah. I mean, they're going to lose. They're going to find a way to lose. But I don't know. Yes, maybe they be won't be the bridesmaid. To...
1: You know, maybe I should be nicer about it this year. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm too- <laughs> no, I probably won't be. You
0: no, know, the picture that Julian took of you <laughs> on the Super Bowl, though. I mean, the. I don't know if you've seen it. Go to Alex Margulies at margulies uh, underscore PXP at his Twitter handle. And uh, yeah, Julian gave it. was payback. It was payback for the World
1: Series. For the World Well, it was for the NLCS this year. I've given this some long thought whether I should be nicer to you and Julian. Uh, nah. He's not. No, I'm so not going to change. Oh, that was not the not long thought. No, as <laughs> much as losing and the 49ers losing hurts. The joy of watching Julian go down in flames with the Dodgers was worth. It was actually better than the pain. So yeah.
3: I did comment to one of our coworkers that it seems like all the Giants fans have to root for now is the Dodgers losing games, which <laughs> is much, kind of sad. But that's kind of the state of the two. That's right. On that
0: note, that'll do it for <laughs> us today weeks. here We're on N S N Daily. Cool. We're <laughs> playing with Alex, <laughs> Alex Margulies and Chris Murray. I'm Brian Samudio. We'll keep down the ruckus mm-hmm. here. We'll see you tomorrow.